Would you guys turn to the book of Jude? If you guys remember last Wednesday, we went through the, the well, basically the introduction, right? The who, what, when, where, why, how uh, of the book of Jude. And, and we saw during that time uh, last Wednesday that uh, Jude was talking about, you know, contending for the faith and warning about these false teachers who would come on the scene and, and uh, that they would draw us away from the truth of the word of God. And so this, to, tonight, uh, we're going to go over verses 3 and 4, which is really dealing with the heart of that issue. So um, obviously today there's a lot of people who, they're like this, right? They deny the authority of scripture and they want to draw people away to themselves. And uh, why, do we guys, why do we come together every Sunday, Wednesday? When, why do we come together? We gather together because we study the word of God because we want to know the truth. We, we walk in the truth and it's a beautiful thing because there's really nothing else besides the word of God, right? And, and uh, that really matters. So this letter, by the way, would be one that would have been shared with, you know, churches, different churches, different home fellowships, we would say. And they would circulate as a word of encouragement to the churches. So they would gather together and be like, oh, we got the book of Jude. We got the letter from Jude. And then they would share about what Jude was sharing about. And tonight we get to read the same thing that the early church was able to read uh, the exact words as well. So really, really cool. Let's go ahead and read. Um, well, before we do, let's. Well, we've seen the first section already, dealing with the introduction, right? Verses 1 and 2. Today we're going to do the exhortation, dealing with verses 3 and 4. And then the, the illustrations in verses 5 all the way to 16, there's about 11 illustrations that are going to be given to us. Um, so all of them. So let's go ahead and look at verse three. We'll read all the way down to verse four tonight. <laughs> it says, uh, "Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints." For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. So there are five things we want to look at dealing with exhortation tonight uh, by Jude and what he gives us here. Uh, the first thing we see is his love for other believers. Did you guys catch that in verse 3? Uh, he says the word beloved, and this word is not only the only time he uses it. Uh, in fact, look at verse 17. He says in verse 17, but you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken. And he goes on. Uh, in fact, look at verse 20. He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the spirit, and he goes on. Um, so this word beloved um, comes from the root word agape, right? Speaking of that spiritual, sacrificial, um, selfless type of love. And this is the same word God spoke concerning his son. If you guys remember in Matthew uh, at the baptism of Jesus, uh, it says, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So this is the exact same word. And, and this is the picture of Jude's heart for the believers in the church, right? The exact same word. He's aligning himself with Christ uh, with the same heart here. Um, and so get the picture. I believe in verse 3, the point is that uh, it, it's when we have this kind of love for other believers that we will exhort them, we will warn them, we will admonish them uh, regarding ungodly men, right? These deceivers whose purpose in life is really to take us astray from the word of God. That's really their goal. There's, there's no other goal. I was watching a cartoon with the kids the other night. And, and the, it's just the cartoon, but the, the evil guy, right? He, he's the villain. He became, 
he's like, I have no purpose in life. And then he realized, my purpose is to do evil. And that's all he wanted to do. And then once the good guy died, or so-called died, uh, then he was like, he had no purpose in life, right? And I picture immediately my mind went to these ungodly guys who, they, they had, their desire, their purpose is really to do evil, right? And uh, to those who are good, uh, but live this ungodly life. And so it's very interesting. Obviously today, um, this is, you know, politically incorrect to even teach on something, something like this that we're going to go over tonight. Obviously not in our church, but uh, in other churches, right? It's unheard of to say, turn to the book of Jude. <laughs> this is the reason why they, 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 they shy away. So we need, to, we need to tell our fellow believers, though, uh, about the, these deceivers. Uh, if you guys really love them, you're going to warn them, right? If there's a fire... Like in California, right? There's, you're going to warn, hey, the fire's just down the street from your house. You better get out of here, right? But if you don't love them, I'm out of here. I'm not even going to warn anybody, right? But if you love those around you, your children, your, your family, right? You're going to tell them about Jesus. Not only about Jesus, but you're going to warn them about deceivers as well. And this is very biblical all over the Bible. So if these false teachers, they're, they're off in one area... Realize they're off all the way, okay? Uh, some of us, we, we might listen to so-and-so and, -so and uh, oh yeah, I know he's off in that area, but you know, all the rest of this stuff is really good. But think of an airplane, right? Or however they fly it, right? With the joystick now, or they just type it in. Huh? How do you guys, <laughs> like this? Um, but they, they, if you're off one degree, you're going to end up on the other side of the world when you get run out of gas, right? And so, uh, or like rat poison, same thing. And 99% is good, but it's that 1% that's not good at all. Um, so we all know that. We wouldn't take it at all. No, there's poison in there. I'm not going to touch that. Same thing we should look at uh, deceivers. We should look at them the same way and have the same like, no, there's no way I'm going to even take heed my ears, right, and give my ears to those people. Um, and... Uh, just thinking of something else. Uh, well, it's the same thing with the, what we watch and what we listen to, right? Uh, oh, I know there's you know a few bad words in there, but the rest of the movie is great, or the rest of that song is great. Uh, I think we just, as Christians, we ought to be aware. And I think that's Jude's heart for the believers, right? He's got a, a, a great heart here. In fact, that brings us to the second thing here. It involves his diligence in writing. In verse 3, uh, Jude loved them so much, he was very diligent, very faithful, very earnest in writing them about their, this common salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. Notice it says, Beloved, well, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. Um, so this letter was beginning to be a letter of simply just encouragement, right? It was a letter of edification, a letter of, to build them up, right? And, and encourage the believer on the salvation that they already had. And we know that our salvation is in Christ by faith, right? It's, it's, it's in Christ alone by faith alone. And if you guys ever got that word of encouragement from anybody, it's, it's the best thing in the world. I, I could be sad. There was one day I was sad, right? Believe it or not, I get sad. I know. Um, this is macho me telling you this. So this is humility right now. But somebody sent me a letter in the mail, and I was like, what is this? And it was just, it was the word that I needed for the day. It was, what an encouragement it was. And it, it lifted me up. And I don't know how that happens, but it does, right? A simple, you know, word of encouragement that you say to somebody else really could impact the rest of their day the rest of their week which is impacting whoever they're impacting right and it makes a huge difference that's why it's important that you guys pray for pastor dwight um just man imagine the spiritual warfare that's that goes on the 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 stuff that happens throughout the day but the influence as well so very very important that we pray for one another uh it's a beautiful thing um by the way i i save those cards too by the way if you guys ever send those cards okay um, but that's kind of the third thing. It involves his openness to the Spirit. His openness to the Spirit. Notice in verse 3, uh, he says, you know, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary. I found it. Notice, as soon as he began to write a letter of encouragement regarding our salvation, he turns all of a sudden and begins to write to them ex 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 uh, 
uh, exhorting them to contend for the faith that was given, really delivered to all, all the saints, right, once and for all. And I think he was open to the Holy Spirit. I, I think the Holy Spirit wanted to move through him at that point when he was writing, and Jude happened to be the guy who was available. He was flexible. He was being used by the Spirit, right, and giving his will to the Lord. And uh, and we have these goals and good things we want to, you know, minister in, and uh, and we begin to step out in faith, and, and the doors seem to be, maybe be opening, right? And then all of a sudden, the doors just slam right in front of you, and it's like, whoa, what just happened right there? And, and it's because maybe the Lord just closed the door on you, right? He didn't want you to go in that direction. He wanted you to go in this, but maybe he wanted you to go in this direction, and he closed it on purpose to see what you were going to do by faith if you were still going to follow him, right? And And we need to be... Um, open to the Holy Spirit as well, right? The leading of the Holy Spirit, wherever he would draw us. And I love it when the Lord does this. You know, we, we can get into that tradition, right, of man, that that uh, uh, that routine, right, where you just become comfortable in your Christianity and, and, and no longer are you flexible, right, or, or to change to what the Lord wants to do in your life. It, you, you think you got it all figured out, and God, he only works in this way, right, because he worked in this way 20 years ago, and so he still is only working that way. But God can use anybody, and he can do whatever, you know, there's different things that God does. And and we forget that the Lord wants to work in those different ways. I, For some odd reason, this Sunday, um, Pastor Dwight, he asked me to, to do the teaching this Sunday, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, of course. And and I was going through Jude, right, this study that we're doing tonight, and, and as I was going through it, the Lord just kept putting on, it was a heaviness to the whole study, and I was like, I'm not going to do Jude, I can't do it. And I kept praying, kept telling my wife that that Saturday night, I was like, I can't, I don't know why, I got the whole study right here, but it's not happening, There's, it's just... I don't know what it is. And then in the morning, uh, I was still praying, and she's like, are you still doing the study? I was like, yeah, I'm still doing it, but I'm not going to do Jude. It's just I'm not feeling it. Like, it's uh, all I'm seeing is Revelation. So I'm, because uh, I teach in the youth group on Sunday, so I was doing the Revelation. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give them a random study in Revelation. That's it, because that's the only thing that, you know, is impressing on my heart. And then at the last minute, Dwight was like, oh, I'm going to be doing the study. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> because Jude was not working out at all. And I don't know why, but obviously the Lord had a word for somebody through uh, his study, which was, you know, I don't, it's just so crazy how the Lord does that. So we, we need to be open. We need to be willing, whatever the Lord has in store for us. Um, let's come to the fourth thing here. It involves his exhortation about faith. Notice in verse 3. He says, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, this word exhort is the perikaleo, right, in, in the Greek. It means to come alongside, to call. And the Holy Spirit is the helper who does this exact thing. He comes alongside us to help us, right? And comes along our side. Jude is coming alongside them to help them to contend earnestly for the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. And by the way, this word contend earnestly, uh, it is one word in the Greek. It's the only time used here and obviously, actually, only time used in the whole Bible. Uh, very interesting. But it means to strive, to labor, to fight, to go to war. And it's almost like being in the wrestling ring, right? You're, you're, you're agonizing in a sense to win. And it's a military term used of those in war, in a battle, and it, it speaks of a soldier who's just fighting, right, for his life, basically. Um, and, and this battle, according to verse 3, is the battle of faith. Now, this faith is, he's speaking of is talking about the totality, really, of God's word, right, as it pertains to the truth uh, regarding to our salvation, right, rooted in faith. So 
Um, doctrine, by the way, is just so important, so important that we need to know the whole word of God uh, and understand the doctrine like we talked about last Wednesday. But a lot of people, they, they contend for a lot of things, right? Um, there's people that contend for righteousness, and that's a great thing, right? They're, they're, they're there on, on the streets or whatnot, and they're standing up against abortion, against you name it, right? They're, 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 those are good and great things, highly great moral uh, things, uh, greatly honorable things. Um, there's people that stand up for money, right? They, they contend for money. They contend for reputation. They contend for a lot of things. Everybody's contending for something. But as believers, we ought to be contending for what? What are we commanded to? What are we told through the word of God that we ought to be contending for? It's our faith. It's the faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we contend for. And so you and I, we already know the, our faith, right? We don't, we're saved by grace through faith, right? You know Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It, it, it's, it's the vehicle by which we access God's grace for our common salvation that we all have in Christ Jesus. And here Jude, he loves us so much, he's encouraging us, he's warning us, he's exhorting us as good soldiers to fight against those who come against the truth of the word of God as it pertains to our faith, right? And this is an important issue. Like then today, there's many who are adding to, uh, works to salvation, which is a scary, scary, scary thing. Paul struggled with the Judaizers, if you guys remember, in Galatians. Um, and Jude is warning against, uh, really, he's warning us against these same kind of men. They're, they're, they're perverting the, the faith, in, in a sense, right? He's perverting, really, the gospel, right? They're attacking, and they bring in the, these destructive doctrines, and we need to fight for the faith that was delivered to the saints. Where in, where in Wearsby, he says, and I quote, the Christian life is not a playground, it's a battlefield. And immediately, I'm like, yeah, that's where my adrenaline spikes, right? I'm like, oh, there we go. I can hear some, some music in the background when I hear that. But that, that's what separates every religion from biblical Christianity, right? We got people trying to reach up to God with their good works, and, 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 but real Christianity is God came down, right? He reached out himself, literally laid down his, himself for our sins that we might be saved, right? It's, it's all about faith, right? In Christ Jesus, it's all Christ Jesus and nothing else, right? It's all by the grace of Christ that we're allowed. We're, it's entrance into the kingdom of God. And, and we know in Romans 12, 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Obviously, if it was by works, you would be all about yourself, right? You'd be thinking so highly about yourself. But we know it's not about works. But it says to think soberly. And here it is. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Oh, I thought I had it up there. Nope. Um, but that's the idea. We've all been given a measure of faith. The, the question is, what are we, where are we putting our faith, right? Are we putting our faith in our good works or are we putting our faith in Jesus Christ? And clearly in scripture, we're to be putting it in Christ Jesus. And Paul talked about uh, the last uh, times, right? When Second uh, Timothy chapter three, verse one and on, but these would be perilous times, right? And Paul encourages Timothy to preach the word of God. He gave him a command, if you will. Before he was going to die, he was going to leave him with everything. And, and he said to preach the word, right? Because there will come a time when people will not endure sound doctrine. They're going to heap up for themselves teachers, right? They're going to they're just, you know... The, they're going to lead them away from the truth of the word of God. And it's a very, very scary, scary time. But let's come to the fifth thing here that I noticed here in, in Jude, is it involves his mentioning of certain men. His mentioning of certain men. Notice in verse 4, uh, he says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed. Now, we're going to look at 
five things uh, we want to learn and understand about these certain men here in Jude. Number one, they are deceivers. They're, they're deceivers. They Notice they crept in on notice. By the way, that's all one Greek word right there. Uh, crept in unnoticed, and it means coming in by stealth, right? Many, many today, they come in under the radar, if you will, and their main purpose is to infiltrate the church and to promote their own doctrine, their own ideas, um, and whatnot. And Jude is warning us as good soldiers to earnestly contend for the faith, right? Uh, to not allow these false teachers to come in. They come into our home fellowships. They come home. They come into the prayer room, right? And they they uh, they start. I've seen them in my in, in ministry. I've seen them just they they don't come in through application, right? They 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 don't come in through sound doctrine. They come in with their own reputation, their own uh, man-made ministry, if you will, right? And then and then all of a sudden, people see this you know online website or whatever that they created. And then once they start gaining influence and they, they immediately go to the directory, right? They know people's phone numbers, they get in contact, they do the social media thing, and immediately they, they steal the hearts, and then they start throwing out their, their doctrine, right? They just start spewing it out. And if you're not listening, you don't catch it, right? I, I've been to uh, uh, conferences, Calvary Chapel conferences, believe it or not, not here, uh, which, praise the Lord, continue to pray for the conferences because they're contending for the faith, literally. Uh, but there are other ones that are very deluded and don't realize uh, what's being infiltrated into the church. And you're, you're listening to this teaching, you know, they're talking about, they're making everybody laugh, and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, then what's up with those teachers that are teaching the Old Testament? We shouldn't be teaching the Old Testament, we should just stay in the New Testament. And don't be doing that prophecy stuff. I mean, what's up with those discerning ministries? And, and they'll, they'll start just hammering down, and everybody listening is like, yeah, I agree, yeah. Yeah, you know, and then and then they throw out a little more, right? Then talking about Jesus being the Son of God, and and uh, and then they'll they'll make something funny up so that everybody agrees with what the funniness is, but they don't even realize they threw in some heretical teaching there. And so we got to be careful with that stuff when it creeps in. Uh, very very sneaky is how they do it. Um, but false teaching, it's coming in, right? And remember, by the way, Satan is. He came in the garden like a serpent, right? He came in very sneaky and crafty, and he's doing the exact same thing today in the churches, right? Uh, he's continuing to creep into the minds of the church if we allow it, right? But if you're one who shuts down those thoughts, doesn't allow those things into your ears, doesn't allow those things into your eyes, um, then you're protecting your own self, right? But there's others who are more vulnerable, who are very accepting, right? And, and they're open to everything of the world. And it's very scary to be in that place. But according to Jude, they're, these ungodly people, they're not even saved. Why? Because they're ungodly. They might be members of the church. They might be on staff. They might even be the pastor. But they are ungodly. They're not even saved. They're, uh, according to Jude, and the problem is they pretend to be saved. Uh, if you guys could think of any church, I think of the church of Sardis in Revelation chapter 3. Uh, verse 1, the, to the church of Sardis, the Bible says, you know, to this angel of the church of Sardis, right, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you're dead, he says. What happened? They were the mega church. They branded themselves as Christian. Everybody knew them. They're, oh, you, the Christians are over there in Sardis. Go that way. There. That's where you want to hear all the, the Christian stuff, right? This church of Sardis, they had a name for this, themselves, a reputation. Everybody knew them as a Christian, but they were dead, right? And and that's a very, very scary place to be in, Um before the Lord. It's a scary place. But let's come to the next thing. They are condemned. They're condemned. Uh, notice in verse 4, it says, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Now, before the foundation of the world, God knew the choices that they would make. And to the church of Sardis, while we're talking about the church of Sardis, right, in Revelation chapter 3, um, 
God was giving them some promises, right, to the overcomers. He gives them two promises. One was to, uh, they would receive the morning star. And if you guys read in Revelation chapter 19, you understand that Jesus is the morning star, right? So in other words, he's saying, I'm going to give you me, right, as your reward. This is the promise to the overcomers. You get me. That's amazing, right? And we are to take heed to not just what the church, what God said to the church of Sardis, But if you guys notice at the end of every church, he says to take heed, right? Give ear, listen in to what the Spirit says to the church is. All of the churches, not just each one only, but to all of them. But the next promise that he gave uh, was to the overcomer, was in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. He says, I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. That is a promise I like, right? That your name will not be blotted out. In other words, if it can be blotted, it it means it can be blotted out, right? Because he says that. Um, They didn't get blotted out of the book of life since they believed in who Jesus says he was. And we know in 1 John 5, 5, to the overcomer, who is the overcomer? Well, who is he overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Right, and and that's speaking of the deity of Christ of the Lord. So a good way to get blotted out of the book of life, right? Because we're talking about these ungodly men who long ago they were already condemned before the foundation of the world. So how is that even possible, right? Well, uh, a good way if you want to get blotted out of the, the Lamb's book of life, look at Revelation twenty two nineteen. It says, "And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy." God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. That is a scary place to be in. Um, Some believe you're born with your name written in this book of life, um, except I found this verse. I'm going to share it with you guys. It's Revelation chapter 17, verse 8. It says, the beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on earth will marvel, right? These are those who are during the tribulation time uh, who are on earth in their physical form, right? In, the, in their bodies, whose names are not written in the book of life. It doesn't end there. It adds some more information for us. It says, from the foundation of the world, what? So from the very foundation before, Proverbs uh, talks about wisdom, right? It was there at the very beginning. Uh, Colossians and Romans talks about Jesus was there. He watched. He was the one speaking these things. John 1, right? John 1, 14. He, uh, well, I could go forever. It, Jesus is God, right? But God, as he was speaking the, the world into existence, he already was thinking about you and I, Right? Some however long ago it's been, 6,000 years or so, right? Uh, Very interesting, but not everybody's name is written on on the book of life when they're born. Very interesting. But I believe you can be blotted out of the book of life if, and catch this, if you do not abide in Christ Jesus. Uh, According to Jesus in John 15, 6, it says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they're burned. So um, because of time, I'm not going to go over, but you can, for your homework, read John 15 and understand if God did this to the children of Israel, to the church, how much more so, right? He doesn't change, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, Uh, and I think we need to take heed, and it's important that we abide in Christ. Obviously, Uh, And I don't want to get into the whole subject here, but obviously there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, right? Nothing, no height, nor depth, nor anything, right, can separate us. Nothing can snatch us out of the hand of God, which praise the Lord for that. Um, And so are we securing Christ? Yes, right? Does he have us? Yes. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it into the end, amen? Uh, and it's a beautiful thing. Why? Because you are abiding in him, right? And so as we abide in Christ, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful picture. But let's come to the next thing here. Um, if you guys have questions, I love talking about that subject too. So uh, we could talk later. But they are ungodly. Notice in verse 4, back in Jude, 
these guys are ungodly. They are ungodly men, it says. Um, and this word is used six times in, uh, in the Bible right here. Read, um, look at verse 15. Verse 15, it says, To execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. In fact, uh, look at verse 18, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would mock or who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. So um, these men don't reverence God. They don't live for the Lord. There's no fear of the Lord in their hearts before the Lord. They will be judged one day. Uh, but trees, you know, trees are known by their fruit. And so we in time, will, we can tell who they are, right? For instance, people like Rick Warren um, decide to start churches using worldly ways, right? Worldly concepts, worldly concerts, worldly, you know, whatever's working in the marketplace of the world, he adopted that into the church. And he's very open about it, right? I'm not mocking him or any, I'm just telling you what it is. Um, but his view of church is bringing in a whole bunch of ungodly people to make up what the church is in hopes of them coming to the Lord at some point. But we know the church, uh, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.12, um, it says the church is for the equipping of, for the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, for the body of believers. We as a church ought to be a body of believers, not a body of on believers, right? Easy contrast to see there. Um, instead of transforming our hearts to the Bible, uh, he leads the believers to the world, which is a sad, sad thing. Today's emergent movement, by the way, discourages biblical doctrine and actual Bible studies and actual Bible prophecy. Um, and Rick Warren says, if you want Jesus to come back sooner, focus on fulfilling your mission, not figuring out prophecy, right? There's purpose-driven life. Rick also encourages deeds and not creeds, right? Um, he says about judgment of the last days, God won't ask about your religious background or your doctrinal views. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Bible says a lot about doctrine. Um, Paul told us in Titus 1.9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by what sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Second uh, Timothy 4.3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Well, if they can't endure it, they're going to mock it and ridicule it, aren't they? So be ready, be prepared for these ungodly people who are going to creep into the church. They have an agenda, and part of that agenda is going to come out of their mouth, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, boosh. And here it is. What are they going to start talking about? They're going to diss sound doctrine. Uh, and, and it says, according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they'll heap up for themselves teachers. This movement also talks bad about actual doctrine, right? Uh, the actual word of God, the doctrine of the word of God. Stephen Furtick, Daniel Fusco, Perry Noble, they all encourage works whenever they're asked about doctrine, why do they start talking about works all of a sudden when it came when it's about doctrine? First Timothy one nine says, knowing this that the the law is not made for a righteous person, but the lawless and insubordinate. So for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, right? This is this is a very, very key stuff that we need to understand. All these... Um, Ungodly people, they encourage secular entertainment as well. And they're more concerned about the numbers in the church instead of the work of God, which is contrary to scripture as well. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. You see, this 
church growth standards of the emergent church, uh, they don't take into account the biblical view of church growth in that sense, right? Many prophets would be considered uh, a failure, right? I think a Noah, right? Noah, for a hundred years, he preached and nobody believed him. According to the, the today's standard uh, of how church works, if you're not having numbers in your church, then... Uh, God's not working in your church, right? That's the idea. And it's like, wait, what? Um, but in Revelation, Jesus never mentioned to any of the churches that he encouraged church growth, right? Very interesting to the letters uh, of the churches. In fact, two churches that are not rebuked, uh, if you guys know, Pop Quiz, Smyrna, and uh, uh, Philadelphia, both of these churches, they were small, they were poor. In fact, to Smyrna, he even said, you're, 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 he says you're rich, but obviously during that time, you guys know, they got persecuted, they got take, all their clothing taken away, their jobs, their houses, everything was taken away, and yet he says they are rich because he's talking about in spirit, right? They, they're, they're racking up rewards because they lost everything. Um, and to Philadelphia, but they were poor, they were lacking in influence, they were not a big mega church, and God didn't rebuke them. What, what they had in common is they were faithful to the Lord. Very, very interesting. So you might be emerging if other religions are accepted in the name of unity. You might be emerging if doctrine is deemed to be too divisive, right? Oh, obviously, the doctrine is divisive, right? Hebrews 4.12, talking about the word of God. It's sharp. Duh, you're going to get cut up. Um, you might be emerging if Bible study is being replaced by someone else's book and no longer a Bible. Imagine that. You might just be emerging if the topics of heaven and hell and sin and repentance are downplayed so as not to offend. You might just be emerging if impersonal forms of prayer or uh, religious mysticism are promoted and encouraged, uh, like contemplative prayer, right? Um, you might just be emerging if alternative lifestyles such as homosexuality are no longer seen to be sinful. You see, to emergence... Christianity is, is, is just an experience over reason. It's spirituality over doctrine and absolutes. It's images over words. It's feelings over truth. It's earthly justice over salvation. It's social action over eternity. It's very, very scary. I could go on forever and I was planning it and then I deleted all of it I was like no way there's too much and it just I get so depressed going through all it but church what what should we be preaching as the church what should we be found doing we know what we shouldn't be doing right but what should we be found doing the bible is very clear first corinthians 123 but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews it's a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness 1 Corinthians 2.2, it says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Imagine going to a teaching at church and not hearing once about Jesus. Yikes. Uh, but anyways, this, this movement, it's just there's so much to say about it. They're offended if you mention the, the cross, right? Because it offends the people. If you mention, it's because it, 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 it refers to our sin, right? That he laid down his life for us and, and he took our place. It's a, you know, it's talking about, you know, the wrath of God was satisfied. You can't talk about those kind of things, right? That's not going to bring in the, the worldly people. They're, 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 they're not going to, you know, give ear to that. Uh, duh, right? The world loves its own, right? Leave them alone. Give them the gospel. That's all they need, right? Then when they hear the, the Lord and they respond to the Lord, they're going to desire and they're going to crave the word of God. And, and they will be students because it's Jesus who will be teaching them right it's the word um, very interesting but a lot of people they go to churches like these and there's false converts and it's very very scary uh, that they believe that they're believers but they're uh, they're apart from the word of God they don't even read the word for themselves you guys know people like that I do it's scary you can mention any scripture and they'll agree with you on it. you can make up scripture yeah you know like you know 
predestinations 243, and they're like, yeah, oh, that doesn't even make sense. But, uh, but this movement, it invites people into you know, mysticism, into the church for the sake of just experiencing God. Let's experience him, right? And like contemplative prayer, if you guys know what I'm talking about, it you know, encourages you not to think, right? Get out of your mindset. Say these repetitive words so many times until your mind just goes, boosh, right? Then you enter into that comatose, right? And, and then, but, but, but you're tapping into the spirit, right? And it's like, well, why don't you just do drugs or alcohol? And, you know, <laughs> why do you, you know, it's, but this stuff is actually creeping in the church and it's being embraced by the church, which is scary. We know in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught us in verse 7, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So biblically, meditating on the word of God is filling your mind with the word of God. Not deleting your mind and and, and keeping your mind blank. No, meditating on the word is actually filling your mind with the word of God. Um, but let's come on to the next thing here. They, they are shameless. They're shameless. That's where we get the word lewdness, right? And verse 4, go back to Jude. Lewdness, this is the, you know, sinning without conviction in your heart. Uh, and this is a lifestyle, right, that they live. Uh, and by the way, Jude explains two things that they do, by which they, they, uh, we can tell who they are. First of all, they turn the grace of God into lewdness, right? So in other words, sinning with, without shame, right? They're open sinning without shame. Because if you guys feel shame when you sin, good, right? Praise the Lord for that. But if you're sinning and there's no shame, whoa, <laughs> no good, right? Not good at all. Um, so these people, they're, they're sinning without a lifestyle. Just, they're, they're, there's, there's no conviction in their hearts at all because they're ungodly. And, and we as Christians, we sin, we make mistakes, but what do we do? We repent, right? Some of you, just like me, we're always broken for a reason because we're we just, you know, we're constantly, we, if we mess up, we're constantly just broken at the cross, right? And we're, we're, we're laying down our sins and our life before the Lord, but we're repenting of our sins. But there are those who don't even know what repenting means. They don't turn from anything. They don't set up any kind of accountability. There's, they don't make it harder for themselves to enter back into it. It's very easy to keep coming back again and again and again. Very, very scary. Um, so, we know 2 Timothy 2.19, it says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Right? And, and uh, we know, we've we got to follow that, the Holy Spirit, that conviction in our hearts. 2 Peter 3.16, speaking about Paul's letters, uh, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. So they take the word and they use it to approve of their sinful lifestyles, basically. The second thing that they, uh, we can tell who they are is they deny Jesus Christ. They deny Jesus in verse 4. Um, the apostles have been with Jesus for a time, right? Jesus told them, you know, who do you say I am? And, and, and uh, he says to them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter said, he answered, and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's the question I pose to you guys tonight. Who is Jesus to you? That question is really going to matter for your entire eternity, your eternal destination, really, right? Who you say God is. If he's not God, Savior, Master, Lord, right? If, if he's not the hope of heaven, then there's no way you can be saved. It's a scary place to be in. First uh, Timothy chapter 4, it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, many teachers today, they say you can do, you know, what you want because God's 
he has grace, right? And he'll cover it. He's got you. What? <laughs> what Bible are you reading? Because I don't see that in my Bible, right? Uh, Paul says, certainly not, right? Uh, but God's grace does not give us freedom to sin. We got God's grace and it, because it gives us freedom from sin, right? And uh, Romans 6.14 even says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. In fact, turn to your left, to 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. 1 John 2, verse 22. Uh, it says, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. And guys, I want to leave you with this. There's a lot of people who deny that Jesus is the Son of God. The Jehovah's Witness, they they teach that he's a created being, but certainly not the creator of all things, right? Um, And obviously they believe he's the brother of Lucifer. Christ scientists teach Jesus is separate from Christ, who is a human who shows Christ-like ideals, but certainly not God. Uh, Scientology, they teach Jesus was a great teacher who fully realized his own divinity, and only for a couple million bucks, you can as well, right? If you got money, you can, you know, that's what it seems like. You got to get to these different levels. Um, and, And the Way International teaches that Jesus was a perfect man, but a perfect man, and that's it. He was not divine. Uh, Judaism teaches Jesus was an important prophet, but he wasn't God, right? He's not the son of God. That's why they crucified him. Islam teaches Jesus was just one of the major prophets. What? But he wasn't, he wasn't God. Guys, every religion, there's a whole bunch of religions, denominations, that they don't believe Jesus came back, he, that he came in the flesh, right? That, he, that God came in the flesh, um, and that he is God Almighty, and it, they are, according to the scripture, right, we just read, are of the spirit of the Antichrist, and they deny the real Jesus of the Bible. And so my encouragement to you, as Jude's encouragement to the church, he's exhorting them, and I exhort you uh, to continue to press forward, right? Press on in the Lord. When it comes, and it will, there would be an open door, an opportunity for you uh, to deny the faith, don't do it, right? Take a stand and contend for the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. When it comes to your faith, you take a stand. Thanksgiving's coming up. Hey, I'm just saying, there might be a family member who'll say, right? And then, boom, if it's about our faith in Christ Jesus, we don't get quiet for the sake of not starting anything here. We want to start something, right? We want to start a fire for Christ, right? Ooh, hey, just speak about Jesus. Why not? Uh, it be, I'm not saying do things wrong, right? I'm just saying be, be moderate. Be, do things right, right? We contend in the right way. But let's go ahead and stand and uh, let's pray. But I just pray you guys are encouraged as much as I am. I got way more out of this study than I gave you guys. But if you guys study it as well, you'll notice there's a whole bunch in this thing um, that uh, it's so hard to, to give it all out. But let's pray. Um, Lord, thank you so much, Lord, uh, for your goodness again. Thank you for uh, just your your greatness, Lord. <laughs> you, Lord, are uh, truly amazing, and we, we're truly thankful, Father, uh, that we even know you, that we're able to hear from you and, and know your word. I pray, Lord, that you would protect us, that you would watch over us, that you'd help us to be as Jude was a bondservant, Lord, who humbled himself Uh, who denied himself, Lord, to follow you. Uh, May we, Lord, follow you with our whole hearts. I pray, uh, Lord, that we wouldn't be those who are um, caught in shame and caught uh, just denying the faith, Lord. Help us to stand uh, for your truth, Lord. Give us, uh, grant us, Lord, uh, just your grace, Lord, as we go about our day. Um, that you would continue to fill us with your spirit, Lord, that we might know your word and uh, that we would be found uh, faithful in your sight, Lord. So just thank you for your goodness again and thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Grace. In fact, turn to your left to 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. 1 John 2, verse 22. Uh, it says, Who is a liar? 
but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. And guys, I want to leave you with this. There's a lot of people who deny that Jesus is the Son of God. The Jehovah's Witness, they they teach that he's a created being, but certainly not the creator of all things, right? Um, And obviously they believe he's the brother of Lucifer, Christ scientists teach Jesus is separate from Christ, who is a human who shows Christ-like ideals, but certainly not God. Uh, Scientology, they teach Jesus was a great teacher who fully realized his own divinity, and only for a couple million bucks, you can as well, right? If you got money, you can, you know, that's what it seems like. You got to get to these different levels. Um, and, And the Way International teaches that Jesus was a perfect man, but a perfect man, and that's it. He was not divine. Uh, Judaism teaches Jesus was an important prophet, but he wasn't God, right? He's not the son of God. That's why they crucified him. Islam teaches Jesus was just one of the major prophets. What? But he wasn't, he wasn't God. Guys, every religion, there's a whole bunch of religions, denominations, that they don't believe Jesus came back, he, that he came in the flesh, right? That, he, that God came in the flesh, um, and that he is God Almighty, and it, they are, according to the scripture, right, we just read, are of the spirit of the Antichrist, and they deny the real Jesus of the Bible. And so my encouragement to you, as Jude's encouragement to the church, he's exhorting them, and I exhort you uh, to continue to press forward, right? Press on in the Lord. When it comes, and it will, there would be an open door, an opportunity for you uh, to deny the faith, don't do it, right? Take a stand and contend for the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. When it comes to your faith, you take a stand. Thanksgiving's coming up. Hey, I'm just saying, there might be a family member who'll say, right? And then, boom, if it's about our faith in Christ Jesus, we don't get quiet for the sake of not starting anything here. We want to start something, right? We want to start a fire for Christ, right? Ooh, hey, just speak about Jesus. Why not? Uh, it be. I'm not saying do things wrong, right? I'm just saying be, be moderate. Be, do things right, right? We contend in the right way. But let's go ahead and stand and uh, let's pray. But I just pray you guys are encouraged as much as I am. I got way more out of this study than I gave you guys. But if you guys study it as well, you'll notice there's a whole bunch in this thing um, that uh, it's so hard to, to give it all out. But let's pray. Um, Lord, thank you so much, Lord, uh, for your goodness again. Thank you for uh, just your your greatness, Lord. <laughs> you, Lord, are uh, truly amazing, and we, we're truly thankful, Father, uh, that we even know you, that we're able to hear from you and, and know your word. I pray, Lord, that you would protect us, that you would watch over us, that you'd help us to be as Jude was a bondservant, Lord, who humbled himself, Uh, who denied himself, Lord, to follow you. Uh, May we, Lord, follow you with our whole hearts. I pray, uh, Lord, that we wouldn't be those who are um, caught in shame and caught uh, just denying the faith, Lord. Help us to stand uh, for your truth, Lord. Give us, uh, grant us, Lord, uh, just your grace, Lord, as we go about our day. Um, that you would continue to fill us with your spirit, Lord, that we might know your word and uh, that we would be found uh, faithful in your sight, Lord. So just thank you for your goodness again and thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.